Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word which speaks so clearly to us and we ask now that you might move in our hearts and minds, give us insight and give us courage for what we hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to be able to be with you this morning. I want to start by saying Woody Allen. (laughs) Woody Allen is credited with saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. You want to make God laugh? Tell him what you're planning. Now, I am not suggesting that you might reference Woody Allen in your next systematic theology assignment. But could it possibly be, it's probably unlikely, but could it possibly be that he has just tapped into a biblical truth? Like I said, it's probably unlikely. I actually think Woody Allen probably has a bit of a capricious view of God. You know, like God sort of hears, oh, you want to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah, no, we're not doing that. But could it be that he has actually tapped into a biblical truth? The truth being this, God is sovereign. God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and he will bring about his good purposes in and through us, sometimes in spite of us. He's perfect, he's good, and sometimes totally unexpected plans. And finally... What's all that got to do with Acts chapter 16 and a woman named Stephanie? Well, let's find out. We are looking at Acts chapter 16 today, a little bit of context for you. Uh, It comes after Acts 15. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Acts 15 is when the uh, Jerusalem Council has met. Uh, For those of you who know, they've been wrestling with a huge issue in the new church. Do the Gentiles need to keep all the Jewish laws? What a great problem to have. They have to wrestle with the idea that now there are so many Jews and Gentiles coming into the church, we've got to work out what that looks like on the ground. What a great problem to have. So they work out an answer to that. And then the council gives that. And then Paul and Barnabas decide to go off on what we now call Paul's second missionary journey Uh, to go back through the churches that they have established and to also encourage them. And as we read in the first part of 16, we didn't read this little bit, but in the first part of 16, uh, in verse 4, it talks about to convey the Jerusalem Council ruling. Now, interestingly, at the end of chapter 15, we also see in the early church, as like today, that there can be disagreements on strategy or possibly even team membership. And what you see is not one team going out, but two teams going out. Paul and Silas go out one way, Barnabas and Mark go out in another direction. Again, I'm not suggesting that God encourages disagreement between believers, but even in the midst of our human frailty, he will bring about his good purposes. And then we have chapter 16. Timothy has now joined the team and they're travelling around and we pick up the story in verse 6. They're travelling through Phrygia and Galatia, that is part of modern-day Turkey, 
And you might be thinking, why are they traveling through Phrygia and Galatia? I'm glad you asked that question. They're heading in a northwesterly direction. And the reason is, is because they've had their travel plans interrupted. Is that something you're familiar with in the last two and a half years? Interrupted travel plans? You see, in the passage that we're about to look at, you see something that is both perplexing and enlightening. Let's start with the perplexing part. Did you notice in verse 6 that it says, right at the end of verse 6, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia? So Paul and Silas and this travelling troop of evangelists, they've been, they, they were planning to head west from Antioch, but they've now, which were to places such as probably Sardis and Ephesus, but instead, they're now having to go, instead of west, sort of northwest and through the region of Phrygia and Galatia because they've been blocked by the Holy Spirit. But that's not the end of it. In the same as the last two years, we have had our travel plans interrupted again and again and again and again. They're getting their travel plans interrupted again because in verses 7 and 8, we see when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Don't you find it perplexing? Don't you find it perplexing that God would block the preaching of the gospel? Let's sit with you for a second. He's been blocking their travel plans. Luke even says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, and then in another verse he says, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. It's not Paul's plan to go this direction. It's God's plan that they go that direction. Now, we know that God did not entirely block the preaching of the gospel from that region because those who are playing along at home would know that in the third missionary trip of Paul, he goes back through that province of Asia. But at this point in time, Paul and his troop of itinerant gospel workers, they can't go west into the province of Asia. They start going north, but they're blocked from going into Bithynia. So now they can't go north. They can't go back south into the province of Asia. It's no good going back into the east where Antioch is. Where are they going to go? Well, it just so happens they find themselves, just so happens, they find themselves at a seaport. And this is where the enlightening part comes in. For while it might be perplexing that God has in many ways upset their travel plans and not allowed them to evangelise in particular areas at this time, the enlightening, or you might even say the encouraging part, is this, that God is sovereign, he has a plan, and it will come about, and in this case, and in probably most cases, <laughs> it's actually much bigger than Paul and his troop could ever imagine. You see it in verses 8 and 10. Have a look with me. Verses 8 and 10. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. That's the, the seaport. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God's sovereign and good plan 
was for the gospel to go further. From a human perspective, it looks like Paul's being blocked. From God's perspective, well, the plan's much bigger and totally unexpected. I'm going to follow on from Jum's comment yesterday. I understand that uh, Jum said to, uh, was it push for the bush? Yep. I'm going to say God's plan here is for Paul to push even further. It's it's for the gospel to go free, overseas, (laughs) to go free overseas from one continent to another. For the gospel now moves from Asia to Europe. God is not a capricious God. God's not about upsetting people's travel plans, or Paul's in particular. It's about his good purposes, his plans. And and in this instance, the good purposes are for the gospel to go to Macedonia. My personal story, well, it's not so perplexing. Possibly not very enlivening either. Might be encouraging. Didn't actually have any dramatic visions. But as I look back, I do believe that God has been ordaining my steps. I see it as I look back to be involved in the gospel ministry in the bush. In the same way that Paul was not geographically in the right place and God had to move him, I wasn't in the right place to begin with for country ministry. I geographically needed to be moved. God moved me when I left Western Sydney, where I was born, at the end of school and I moved to Armidale, up in the northern part of New South Wales, to go to university. I discovered when I got to university in Armidale that I'd been born in the wrong spot. My heart beats faster for the bush. I needed to be there. And after a while, I could see and I asked that dangerous question. That dangerous question. Who is going to come out here? I was living in Moree at the time driving tractors on cotton farms. Who is going to come out here and lead these churches and run these youth groups and teach God's word? That is a dangerous question to ask, especially when you're out there and you can see the need. This idea of need is so obvious in this passage from Acts Did you notice it? Did you see it? Did you you see the point being made in the passage? Have a look at the language of verse 9. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. How do we know he's from Macedonia? No idea. But anyway, maybe he had I love Macedonia T-shirts or something like that. But anyway, the point is he was standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. He's begging him. He's not simply asking. He's not even just being insistent. He's begging that Paul come over to Macedonia and help, not just come over and maybe give a hand for a little while, help. And we know from verse 10 that Paul and his group worked out that that meant clearly to preach the gospel. That's what the help meant. 
Help us to understand the grace that is ours through God's mercy. Help us to understand the peace that is ours through the forgiveness won on the cross. Help us to understand the hope and the victory that is ours through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Help us. It's the same urgent gospel message then as it is now. Then it was in Macedonia, still is. Now I'm saying the same thing about the bush. In fact, I could say the same thing about anywhere, couldn't I? It could be overseas mission week. It's the same message. But I stand here today not just as the national director of BCA but as someone who's had 23 and a half years or so in parish ministry in rural and regional um, parts of Australia. We need help. I'm pretty sure Jum said it yesterday. I'm saying it today and Rod Chiswell will say it again tomorrow. We've been colluding. (laughs) We need help. It's the same need then in Macedonia as it is now in the bush. And you might be tempted to say, oh, Greg, it's not that strategic to go out to those small places, you know, and to send so many resources out to them. You know, in the city, there are so many more people. It's much more strategic. You get more bang for your buck. When it comes to the gospel, it's never too far. And it's never too few. And if you don't believe me, listen to the parable of the lost sheep. Think of the logistics of the landscape. For those of you who've never visited rural, regional or remote parts of Australia, let me help you think about it. Imagine you were living in Parkville and you couldn't find a good church here. I know that might be hard to imagine because I've actually been here on a Sunday morning and been to the church in the, uh, across there. So you're going to have to put your pretending hats on, okay? Pretend that there's no good church here in Parkville. How far is it to go down to St Jude's Carlton? Last year I met a woman named Stephanie. Stephanie is a faithful saint. She's an older woman but she's young in the faith. Stephanie lives in a small, isolated town in central west Queensland called Winton. The town is small, the church is small. I asked her when I I saw her there when I was visiting Winton, when I was driving through. I saw her walking in and out of the church and I went up and chatted to her. And we got chatting for a while and I said to her eventually, so how are you going in your faith? Are you growing in your faith? And I'll never forget her answer. Her answer was, not as much as I would like. So we talked a bit more and it became very obvious that the reason why the answer was not as much as I would like is because there was no one there to lead the church. There was no one there to help her to understand the Bible and to understand the gospel message more and to know what it means deeply to love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The next town to Winton is Longreach. Now, if you drive at the speed limit, which is 110 kilometres an hour out there, you will get there in a little over two hours and there is nothing in between. And can I say a two-hour drive in some parts of Australia is very short between towns. All across this nation, 
there are Stephanies. All across this nation, there are Stephanies in small, rural, regional and remote places, not growing in their faith as much as they would like because there's no one going. Let me bring this home by saying, do you believe that God is sovereign? And do you believe that God will bring about his good purposes, sometimes in and through you, sometimes even in spite of you, sometimes in spite of your best laid plans? Please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to guilt you all into packing up your belongings now, driving out and getting to the Calder Speedway and going to see how much further you can go on a McDonald's fix. That's not what this is about. Rather, I'm posing the question, is it possible, because it was for me, but is it possible that God has been preparing you all along for his unexpected plans, whatever that might be, bush or city? Is it possible that you have this great idea, and I'm not suggesting that God is laughing like Woody Allen might suggest, but is it possible that it might end up being blocked or prevented by God's unexpected plan? Is it possible that today a light bulb has just gone off, an aha moment, and in the same way that Paul became aware of the need in Macedonia, you've just become aware of the need on the other side of the Calder Speedway? Is it possible even now that the spirit of the living God who blocked Paul has just planted a seed? And you've heard the call, the call not from a man in Macedonia, but from rural, regional, remote Australia saying, come and help us. Come and help us share with us the gospel of Christ. Is it possible that bush ministry is God's unexpected plan for you? And I'm not just looking at the students. And if nothing else, in this Oz Mission Week, will you at the very least become a prayer partner and pray for it? Pray for those who go to the rural and the regional and the remote parts of this nation, looking for the Stephanies. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord prepare and equip you for his plans, his sovereign good and sometimes very unexpected plans. Amen.